because we got the alternative energy right. molecular free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network Hello and welcome to another edition of The Radioactive Show, which is produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people in Fitzroy, Melbourne. Today's show is brought to you by me, Emma Crunch. Today I bring you part three of a three-part series on Pine Gap, which is a joint US-Australian defence facility located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs on Aranda country. It's Pine Gap's 50th birthday this year. The treaty that allowed its creation was signed in December 1966. In this series, I set out to investigate what exactly they get up to at Pine Gap and if and why it is so important to spread the word and mobilised against it in 2016. In episode one, I spoke to Richard Tanter of the Nautilus Institute, an expert in the field of Australia's defence policy, about the changing role of Pine Gap over the years. Originally, it was set up largely for missile defence in the context of the Cold War, but now it has a much expanded and more offensive military role. It provides key information for drone targeting. It's also the eyes and ears of the US in the Southern Hemisphere, playing a crucial role in surveillance of not just combatants but civilian populations. In part two, we heard stories of protests at Pine Gap in the 1980s from former disarmament Senator Joe Valentine and current Green Senator Lee Rhiannon. Both women described their activities on the ground at protest camps, as well as the difficulty of challenging Australia's defence policy and intimate ties with the US in Parliament. They reflected that the US alliance is even more embedded in the psyche of our Parliament than ever. However, there are potential chinks in the armour. You can download these two previous episodes at 3cr.org.au or email us at radioactive3, the number, cr at gmail.com. And in today's show, we'll first hear from Russell Goldflam, a long-term Alice Springs resident who was active in the Alice Springs Peace Group and protests in the 80s. He's also a lawyer and we'll hear his account of representing the Pine Gap Four, the four conscientious protesters who entered Pine Gap in 2005 with a wish to expose its activities and rally for peace. Later in the show, Jacob Grek from Renegade Activists outlines how all Australia is complicit in the activities of Pine Gap. He also gives an update and call out for the 50-year Pine Gap anniversary protest camp at the facility this September. But first, over to my discussions with Russell Goldflam. Undoubtedly, Pine Gap um, is a national and international issue and of relevance. However, it has a particular relevance to the town and people of Alice Springs. And how do you think it exists in the consciousness of the town? And I guess I'm interested both in the 80s and 90s during your time in Alice Springs, if that's changed or... Yeah, what what position it has? Well, that's a it's a an interesting question, one that um, I've thought about a lot over the what thirty odd years that I've been living here, as have many other people. But it's not an easy one to answer mm. because uh, the base itself is out of town; it's uh, twenty odd kilometres away. Uh, it's at the end of a road that doesn't go anywhere else except to the base, so you don't pass it, you don't see it. If you fly out of Alice, you're likely to see it from the plane um, just after you've taken off, briefly. But apart from that glimpse, it's not 
visible, it's out of sight, and uh, so effectively to a lot of people it's out of mind. There are um, hundreds of uh, people who work at the base who live mm-hmm. in Alice Springs, but um, many of those are indistinguishable from anybody else who lives in Alice Springs. Uh, there is a large contingent of American families in Alice Springs, so you know you notice the accents, mm. but, but they blend in pretty much with the rest of the community. Um, if you go to lawn sales on Saturday mornings, as we call them, uh, what you might call garage sales in Melbourne, mm. um, you'll often see um, stuff that looks slightly unfamiliar because it's <laughs> from it's the Walmart equivalent of our Kmart stuff mm. uh, on people's front lawns. Um, Yes, it has. We're aware of the presence of, an, of a Pine Gap community in our midst, but it's not intrusive, and it's really just part of, uh, to use that metaphor, the patchwork of uh, Alice Springs' life. Mm. And so, at times when the peace group hasn't been as active, and do you think it has just sort of existed alongside without much consideration of? I mean, there's the people who work there, but also the actual role and. Um, significant military contribution of the base? Well, there's a big difference between um, post the fall of the Berlin Wall Mm. and before the fall of the Berlin Wall. That was a a watershed moment in politics right around the world because it was Mm. the end of the Cold War. Up until then, uh, the peace movement in Australia was... And people uh, like myself who are a bit older than some others, mm. uh, will remember what peace protests meant in the 1980s. Hundreds of thousands of people uh, on Palm Sunday would march around Australia yeah. uh, protesting against uh, Australia's involvement in the Cold War. Um, and that was not that far away from the 1970s when we'd been in the moratorium movement to pull our troops out of Vietnam, which mm. was, uh, of course, um, a movement that changed governments in Australia. Mm. So... The strength uh, uh, and commitment to the peace movement in the 1980s was completely different from um, the strength and commitment to the peace movement as a mass movement in Australia uh, after the Cold War finished in the late, at the end of the 1980s. And as I mentioned before, the Alice Springs Peace Group basically wound up in about 1991-92 because um, the the support for the the group... um, sort of evaporated mm. because people ceased to be interested in the peace movement. The mm. Cold War's finished, we won, end of problem, end of story. Well, of course, <laughs> that was a very naive view and uh, Pine Gap is as important, perhaps more important now than it's ever been. And Australia is still uh, involved in uh, all sorts of global conflicts uh, in ways which uh, are not uh, clearly communicated to our people. You've been hearing my discussion with Russell Goldflam, a long-term Alice Springs resident and lawyer, about the Pine Gap Joint US-Australian Defence Facility, located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs. Let's get back to the chats and hear about the legal ins and outs of his successful defence of the Pine Gap 4 after their break into the facility in 2005. And some of the later protests that have happened in the 2000s were... um, there was a big gathering in 2002, but also a Christian protest in 2005 and what came to be known as the Pine Gap Four, who broke into the facility. And I understand that after self, self-representing for a couple of court appearances, you uh, represented them, was it in the appeal? 
Uh, well, that's right. I did have an involvement with the Pine Gap Four in a professional capacity mm. because um, back in the 1980s, I was a protester and occasionally got arrested. But mm -hmm. by the uh, by the year 2000 and uh, uh, I can't remember when their protest was exactly. I think yet. theirs was 2005, but court went yeah. on for a That's number right, of years. 2005. By then, I was a, a, a criminal lawyer, a legal aid lawyer, mm. still am, and I was uh, available to provide legal advice and representation to people who were um, eligible for legal aid. And the Pine Gap Four didn't want to be represented by a barrister in their jury trial because they were proud activists. Um, civil disobedience who wanted to represent themselves and they did so but there were some very complex technical legal issues that came up both before their trial and after their trial in the appeal which they did um, engage legal representation for and I had the privilege of being one of the lawyers who uh, in a junior way was representing them mm. uh, in the uh, Court of Criminal Appeal in Darwin. And so how how did the legal system respond to their their justifications for why they were compelled to take action and what was the ultimate result? Well, a rather extraordinary result. Um, the Court of Criminal Appeal overturned their convictions for um, entering the base and bre breaching the Defence Special Undertakings Act, which mm. is a rather obscure piece of legislation that applies to Pine Gap and a handful of other places around Australia, and uh, ordered that they be acquitted. Uh, after the jury had found them guilty. It was a, mm. I suppose you could say it was a technical um, victory because they'd already been to jail for refusing to pay the fines that had been imposed on them. Um, and uh, nevertheless, it was an enormous, um, it was an enormously satisfying thing for the Pine Gap Four, and I might say for their lawyers, mm. uh, to find that in a way the political stand that they'd taken uh, was vindicated. And, and it was it was quite peculiar because uh, I can't possibly go into all the technical detail of the case, yeah. otherwise everybody would fall asleep. Mm -hmm. However, uh, what I can say is that one of the things that the Pine Gap Four wanted to do was use their court case, their trial, as an opportunity to expose what Pine Gap was really doing. So over and over again throughout the trial, they've tried to get permission to cross-examine the witnesses from the Pine Gap um, base about what they did and what mm. the base did. And over and over again, the judge ruled that that was irrelevant because Pine Gap, uh, she said, was a female uh, judge, mm -hmm. uh, very compassionate uh, and um, understanding judge and sympathetic judge, I might add. But nevertheless, uh, the judge said that, well, look, Pine Gap is a prohibited area because the minister back in 1967 issued a certificate saying it's a prohibited area. End of story. You can't ask questions about what it does. Okay. The Court of Criminal Appeal said the judge was wrong about that, right. that the question of whether or not Pine Gap actually is a place that's used for defence purposes uh, is a live question, a question of fact, which the accused people were entitled to um, call evidence about and, and challenge the validity of the certificate saying that it was a prohibited area. And uh, they should have been allowed at their trial to raise that issue and uh, have that put to the jury. And that was a big thing, a mm. very big thing. Mm. Interesting. Interesting to see how, how that would develop in any future future legal cases. Well, I don't think it will ever develop yeah. in a legal case again because I don't <laughs> think that anybody who, if there are any further protests at Pine Gap, then people will probably be charged under the Trespass Act of okay. the uh, Commonwealth Crimes Act, mm. but they don't have to 
prove that Pine Gap is a, a prohibited place because it's necessary for the defence of Australia and they could, the, the Commonwealth could avoid the embarrassment of, what, of the way things unfolded in the Pine Gap 4 case. So I don't think there'll ever mm. be another one like it. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to The Radioactive Show. This is part three of a series on the Pine Gap Military and Surveillance Base, which turns 50 this year. We just wound up hearing an interview with Russell Goldflam, who described how the Pine Gap 4 protesters ultimately had their convictions overturned. We'll now be turning our ears to Jacob Grek. Over to Jacob. Uh, well, just Jacob from Renegade Activists. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh got a few hats on but renegade activists has um, um been involved in anti-war and peace and anti-bases work since we were formed in 1989 i think mm. it was yeah so um jacob from renegade activists yeah great yeah that's what i was going to ask about your history of involvement with i guess anti-military activities and in particular pine gap over the years yeah, well, look, I've always been an anti-military activist. I can't really say when it began. I mean, I was, as as a kid, I was um, marching with my adopted father and his union against the Vietnam War, um, and he was always a, a, um, involved in union issues with a particular bent on, on peace issues. Um, I guess with Pine Gap... I was living in Alice Springs in 83 when the women's protest happened and I was already obviously aware of Pine Gap and um, got involved in a little ways, helping out with a bit of local knowledge and local supplies and the rest of it. But, um, yeah, yeah, didn't play a major role in the 83 one. Mm. And since that time, you know, we've organised... We were involved in organising protests at the Narunga base which is now defunct um other military bases um dsd centers pine gap um over the years i think it's um i don't know probably for 30 years now i've been Mm. doing that kind of stuff Mm. and with for example the different big protest camps that they've been um those in the 80s and then the 2002 um, how have like the messages and things around Pine Gap and its functions changed over the years and what do you think will be the main messages around this year's 50-year protest? Well, with the, early, with the ones in the 80s, I guess, um, um, at Narunga specifically, because there wasn't one at Pine Gap after mm-hmm. 83, it was about Australian sovereignty and about um, Australia's role as part of the US war machine. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2002, it was still an anti-American you know, American military thing. But, of course, in 2002, Pine Gap was being used hugely in the American-led but Australia-involved um, attacks on Iraq and yeah. Afghanistan. And so we were pointing out... Um, we were pointing out the um, the role Australia played, saying, mm. you know, renegade activists were saying it's... It's not enough to say um, no troops because we were also involved in the campaigns against the ship leaving and US troop visits, etc. But we need to say um, that the war could not be orchestrated without Pine Gap. Mm. And so we were placing Pine Gap as top dead centre in Australia's role in the war machine. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, while that is still there, I mean, because 
Since that time, the internet has blossomed and we've got so much more information. We've got people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning um, revealing a whole lot of the inner workings of the war machine and how they work. We also, with the internet, even without their revelations, have um, access to documents and technical information and planning documents um, that tell us exactly what Pine Gap is doing. So rather than just saying it's, um, you know, as Malcolm Fraser has said, that it's an insult to Australian sovereignty, um, we want to point out that every time there is a drone attack um, in the Middle East, orchestrated by the American drone attack, that Pine Gap has played a role. So the Australian government is culpable. And we also want to point out that every defence minister, every defence minister in the Australian government, from Fraser's cabinet of um, the 80s onwards, has said that the what is happening at Pine Gap is happening with the full knowledge and concurrence of the Australian government. So it's not even enough to say that um, we're allowing the Americans to do this. Mm. We know what they're doing and we're supporting it. We are saying that the Australian government is also... We, the Australian people, through our government representatives, are saying that Australia is doing this mm. with the Americans. And so we want to, I guess, get away from the bad American um, rave, which is true, but not focus on that, but focus on what the Australian government is doing in our name. They're the, they're the representatives who are voted on to, um, to speak on behalf of the Australian people, and they're the people we want to hold to account. You're hearing Jacob Grech speaking about Australia's complicity with all activities of the Pine Gap facility. He also spoke of Australian sovereignty, which later in our discussion we note is a problematic concept because Indigenous sovereignties must first be respected. We'll come to that point shortly. First, back to Jacob, outlining the corporate nature of Pine Gap. We also, another thing we want to point out about Pine Gap this year is the role of the companies involved. Mm -hmm. Because um, out of the 1,100-odd people who work there, I think 800 of them or 700 and something of them are working for private corporations, Mm. um, like Raytheon, for example. So... We want to point out that this and McDonnell Douglas, you know, so we want to point out that the the ludicrousness, I guess, of Pine Gap being a space base, collecting information, you know, a company like Raytheon collecting information through Pine Gap, providing information to the American and Australian governments that says, you're under threat, you need to buy more of our equipment. Mm. It's <laughs> nobody seems to sort of have a problem with this conflict of interest. Yeah. And and the way that, um, you know, as Julian Assange and um, Edward Snowden have pointed out, Pine Gap is being used to um, monitor all our communications in Australia. So we want to point out the way um, that 
the corporations have taken over this role and the way, to some extent, that um, the governments are beholden to the corporations. Mm. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders has recently said in the United States that no matter who's elected, you might not be able to change so many things because the corporations run things. Yeah. Um, and so we want to talk about, you know, democracy as opposed to corporatism. And um, we also, you know, recently found out, very recently found out, other things about not specifically Pine Gap, but the fact that the NSA in America has um, has a secret bilateral treaty with the Israeli Defence Forces, wow. which says that they will provide all information, raw data collected by the NSA, including specifically mentions that that including information gathered in Australia mm-hmm. to the IDF, which means not only the attacks on um, Iraq mm. and um, and Syria and all countless other places, but what's close to a lot of people's hearts in Australia is the situation in Palestine, the occupied territories, um, where the IDF is no doubt using information gathered at Pine Gap through the NSA um, to target Palestinian activists. Mm. So, you know, and and the, the connections between the Australian government, and when I say Australian government, I'm... Um, it's not a partisan thing. Both both flavours of Australian government have outdone itself to be friends of the United States and support Pine Gap and be friends of Israel. Um, the the role of the Australian government, the subjugation of the Palestinian people as well. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that's been one of the... Having lived in Alice Springs as well, Pine Gap has the out-of-sight, out-of-mind approach, um, not only even sometimes when you're living within Alice Springs, but then, of course, nationally... Um, and so I guess that's one of the big points for the 50 years since yes. its creation, just bring it into the attention. Will there be events and meetings and things happening across the country and ways for people to participate? Yep, if people go to closepinegap.org and um, sign up, the website will be up in a few days' time. Um, they'll, be, uh, they'll be told of meetings in their hometown. There'll be flyers downloaded, posters to be able to, down, to be downloaded. People can participate in any number of ways. We're urging people to make the trip to Pine Gap and we're currently raising money to subsidise the bus trips from every major capital to Pine Gap. Um, But we also don't want it to be exclusive. We understand there are people with kids in school and jobs and all the rest of it, like I've got myself, um, who may not be able to take the time off to make the trip to the desert. So there'll be other events happening around Australia in solidarity. And, in mm. fact, there'll be events happening around the world mm. in solidarity. You know, people at Menwith Hill in Yorkshire will be doing something. People at bases in the United States will be doing something. Mm. And there'll also be, I can't talk about it yet, but there'll also be a couple of direct um, link, Skype-type link-ups from various anti-surveillance activists around the world to the gates of Pine Gap. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, happening awesome. happening there. So there'll be a lot of things for people to do. Mm. We're also, I want to point out, we've been invited by um, um, traditional owners, the mm. Arunda people, to be there. They'll be there with us, um, welcoming us, welcoming us to the to the protest. They'll be doing a ceremony to welcome us there. And as one of the Arunda people said to me while I was up in Alice a few weeks ago, he said, "This isn't just about 
indigenous sovereignty. This is also about Australian sovereignty. You don't like the you don't like the Americans being on your land. Gives this gives gives the whiteies an idea of how we feel. Mm, mm. It's um, so we're all to, we're all together in this. Mm. And as one other Aranta um, person said to me, um, we're responsible for what happens on our land. And this people are being killed all around the planet through the actions mm. that are starting from our land and they feel responsible for this too so where it's going to be different to previous pine gap protests is this is going to have a very large element of indigenous involvement mm, which is so important and it is true when we say you know australian sovereignty that very concept sort of needs to be questioned yeah. or um yeah a big caveat in regards to exactly. indigenous sovereignty exactly. all across the country the Close Pine Gap Camp will be held in the last week of September this year, somewhere close to the Pine Gap facility. It's followed by the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network Conference, which will be held in Alice Springs. Here's Jacob Grech describing the plans for the protest camp. There's going to be a range of protest activities. We're aiming for um, non-violence, although unfortunately that's not up to us to determine, but up to the Northern Territory and the Federal Police. But um, what we're hoping for is a peaceful, artistic camp where there's safe space for families. We're obviously providing um, water and medical support and clean toilets and um, we've got a vegetarian organic kitchen um, being set up there. So it'll be like, I guess, if people have been to something like Lizard's Revenge Mm. or a Confest, it won't be anywhere as big as a Confest, but we're hoping for the same sort of vibe, where for seven days people can be nice to each other, talk about their wishes for peace and their aspirations against the um, Australian-American-British war machine, and um, hopefully start rebuilding the peace movement in Mm. Australia. Sounds awesome. Hopefully lots of our listeners can get down there and they'll stay in touch by looking up the website. We'll give that again at the end of the show. And remember to pack your hats. It's going to be... Um... Pack your hats and pack your sunscreen <laughs> yeah. because it, it, it's not... I mean, the reason we chose September 2, it's the 50th anniversary mm. of, Pine, of the signing of the Pine Gap Treaty this year, but, but that's in December. But we thought um, asking people to go to the desert and camp in the desert in December is is cruel and unusual torture yeah. in itself. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love it. I was there through January and, and, and I love the heat. But it's, um, September is the best time of year. The wildflowers mm. will be out. It won't be too cold at night. It won't be too hot during the day. Um, so we want to make it as um, conducive to getting as many people there and families as possible. Mm. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you there. Okay, I look forward Two to seconds. it, Thanks. You've been listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio on Wurundjeri Country in Fitzroy, Melbourne, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Today's show was part three of a series on 50 years of Pine Gap, and the series can be downloaded from 3cr.org.au under Radioactive Show, or email us at radioactive3thenumbercr at gmail.com. Details of the protest camp being planned for September this year can be found at closepinegap.org.au. Today's show's interviewees were Russell Goldflam and Jacob Grech, and music played was Miraculous Activist Activity by Combat Wombat. I'm Emma Crunch, and I hope you've enjoyed this series and found it informative and activating. Here's to a peaceful and nuclear-free future.
Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost, and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is... A bad deal, but Muckley is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. Grassroots Voice is broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network.